Well, please turn in your Bibles now to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, and verses 10 to 20. Ephesians 6, and verses 10 to 20. And after the scripture reading, we will sing from Psalm 46, stanzas 1, 2, and 5. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning our reading at verse 10 down to verse 20. Hear now God's holy word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak." And that concludes the reading of God's holy word. May he bless that. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, there is a war going on right now. It's a long, bitter, bloody battle. You're living in a spiritual war zone. You might want nothing but a peaceful, easy feeling. But if you aren't prepared to fight sin, if you're not ready to battle Satan, then you're doomed. You can't negotiate or make peace with Satan. You're on the front against a great foe. Back in the 1930s, before World War II, The British government was so eager to avoid conflict that it stood back while Adolf Hitler invaded one country after another. Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain boasted of solving disputes by discussion instead of by force of arms. And he spoke flattering words of Italian dictator Mussolini as well as Hitler. After the Munich Agreement, when Czechoslovakia was given to Hitler, Neville Chamberlain said, 
quotes, I believe it is peace for our time. Go home and get a nice, quiet sleep. End of quote. Many British people cheered wildly. But there was no peace. No one was going to have a quiet sleep. The only way to stop Hitler was to do what? It was to fight. When a tyrant wants to conquer everything he can, there is no peace. There can't be peace. Satan is a tyrant, and he wants to conquer everything that he can. Satan wants to dominate you and hold you under the power of sin. Satan wants you to die in sin and end up in hell with him. He wants people all around you to perish. He wants them believing in false religions. He wants everyone to be at peace with the sinful world. But there will be no peace at our time. There can't be peace. We must fight. We're in a spiritual warfare until Jesus Christ returns. There's a lot more to this fight than just being a nice, tame pussycat. The Bible speaks of Jesus as being a lion. And the Bible also says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 1. Every Christian is called to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Thankfully, there are two things that help us in this fight. The first is the strength beyond our own ability. The divine power. A power that comes completely outside of ourselves from the living God. And second, there is the essential protection. The right gear for the fight. The secret for this battle is not to rely on our own strength or in our own abilities. It's relying on the Lord's power. Faith lays lays hold of God. That means that we must rely on the Lord more and more and desire Him more and more and rest in His perfect strength. So I call you to hear God's word this morning under the theme, Be Strengthened in the Lord. And we'll look at this with three points. First of all, a call to combat. Secondly, dress suitably. And thirdly, advance with your weapons. So first of all, a call to combat. Verse 10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Literally, it says, in the future or henceforth, be made powerful in the Lord. That's a little different than the English translation, but it does bring that across very well. The Apostle Paul was pointing back to what was said earlier about being made new creatures in the Lord for the power of Christ. Since we have, Christians have been made rich in his mercy and have been brought into fellowship with him through his blood, we're commanded from now on to be empowered by him. That is necessary. Why? Because verse 12 says, 
that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We're up against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. By all this, he means Satan and his demons, the fallen angels. It's not only describing their rank and classes, the authority that they have. He's also referring to a very real spiritual world. They are the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The heavenly or high places refer to the spirit world. And that's a very important thing for us to realize. We're not primarily at war with cults and false religions. We're not primarily at war with abortion clinics and homosexual activists. Our fight primarily is not against men, flesh and blood, but we're fighting against the spiritual world where evil is very real. They are a powerful army that if anyone ignores, it's to their own danger. Really, that's a problem with our society. We might wonder sometimes, you know, how it is that people can be so naive to believe evolution or not to believe in a creator. How can anyone become so callous to human life in the womb and and abort it? Why is it that people decide to live together and no longer see the need to get married? Or how is it that people can become attracted to the same gender and not see the sin in this? There's only one answer to that question. And to any question like this, it's because men and women have been blinded. The thought processes processes and their ability to reason has been perverted by evil powers. That's why we say that our battle is not ultimately against our fellow human beings. It's against Satan. For the Holy Spirit can open up the eyes of people who have been blinded by their own sin. Whatever sin or error that might be, that's the battle that we're in. It's to occupy our thoughts. It's to be in our hearts when we pray and when we think of those in our families. We're soldiers at war. And our warfare is spiritual. How is Satan attacking you today? Well, verse 11 talks about the schemes or the wiles of the devil. The word wiles in this verse is, in the Greek, methodia. And you can tell just by the way that that sounds what that is talking about. It's talking about his methods or his methodology. His cunning arts, deceit, and trickery. Just as he schemed against Adam and Eve, he is still just as crafty and subtle. He still seeks to deceive you in your weaknesses and at your weakest moments. Now it's good for us to realize that who our enemy is and to be aware of his own power. However, are we aware of his methods? Do we know his schemes against us? God's word speaks of two powerful allies that are fighting with him. The course of this world and the enticements of our flesh. 
Thus, there are three ways of attack. Directly from him, also through the world, and by our own flesh. God's word talks often about those who are under his control. Of Satan's control. There are the demon-possessed in the time of Jesus and the apostles. Take up residence in people. They were those who practiced sorcery and divination. In the Old Testament, the worship of Satan came in the form of serving false gods. Psalm 106 speaks of the Israelites falling into some of the horrible practices of that time, sacrificing their children to demons. Today, we're still those who, there still are those, rather, who experiment with the occult. It's not our desire this morning to stimulate our curiosity in the realm of the occult any more than God's Word calls us to be aware of. But we need to be warned to stay away from the direct evil influences of Satan. Young people and children don't think of dabbling in the occult. God's word says that supernatural, the supernatural exists. That's enough for us to know. And it's a dangerous thing. And yet, congregation, when you're filled with the Spirit, you do not need to be afraid of the attacks of Satan. As we sing, the prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. Since Christ has overcome him, there's no room for evil spirits to invade or to possess. Yet that does not mean that the devil cannot get a foothold into our lives. He may attack us by causing us to sin. Ephesians 4 verses 26 and 27 say, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. There are other sins that are mentioned in Ephesians 4 as well. The the sin of lying, the sin of stealing, the sin of nursing a grudge. Satan can use our own desires and, and weaknesses in his schemes. Perhaps you accuse your brother of being used by Satan. You get angry at him. And yet, ironically, uh, wrongful, sinful anger can be an opportunity for the devil to exert some kind of negative influence against yourself or against your brother. Perhaps by uh, attacking yourself or your brother with wrongful anger or, or harboring bitterness. Perhaps lying is a problem. Though you are a Christian, you get into a bad habit of twisting the truth. Children, you steal a few loonies from your mom's purse. Or adults, you find it easy to take some old equipment from your boss at work. After all, he doesn't use it, so why ask? We so easily can fall prey to his methods. So I ask you which you might which we might rather might call a, a spiritual checkup, I ask you a question. Are there any areas of sin in your own life where Satan is gaining a foothold? What does the Lord want you to do about that? 
Well, he calls you to repent and to seek his forgiveness. And then to steal no longer, to, to allow no corrupt word to come from your mouths. He calls you to love him and to obey him and to love the brethren. The devil desires to undermine our faith and our obedience to the Lord, and he seeks to destroy our marriages. He assaults your consistory and your counsel. They're marked men. He does battle in the congregation. He cannot stand it when we as a church bring God's word to those who are lost in sin. That's what he wants to stop. He's on an all-out attack against us, and we must be aware of his devices. That's why he's busy in the world as well. Satan is the prince of this world. He is busy right now polluting and influencing this world with his evil. Today, biblical morals are laughed at, especially by the media. That's because the devil has been busy targeting the world, and he has been doing well. The government in our country have been doing great damage to the institution of marriage. In some ways, what do we expect? Because marriage has been in shambles for years. Satan has made people think that we're not responsible for other people's morality. Why do people feel that way? It's because Satan does not want people believing in Christ. He doesn't want them following his ethics or his standards. He wants a society that accepts adultery, fornication, homosexuality, and divorce. He's getting people to think that this is normal. He uses drama and movies to push that kind of an agenda. And he wants to wear the church down. He wants the church to compromise and no longer uphold what God's word says. He's not concerned about God's glory. The devil seeks to stop his kingdom from going and to fight against us as people. And yet... We must resist him and to resist the evil that is in this world. And the only way that we can do that is with God's power in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we must secondly dress suitably. God gives armor, the panoply of God. Panoply is the Greek word for armor. We have a complete set of defensive and offensive armor. We can only be strong in the Lord. He gives full resources to believers so that they can successfully wage spiritual warfare. We don't fight for victory, congregation. We fight from Christ's victory. If you go out to play a game of hockey, and it's, it's the full thing, what do you do? You need equipment. From top to the bottom, you need protection. You'd be pretty foolish if you went out on, on the ice with just a stick and some skates. Well, verses 13 to 17 speak of the, the suitable protection that we need from the Lord. Of course, the the imagery in these verses has to do with a a Roman soldier in a battle. We're, We're, in that way, Christian soldiers. 
doing aggressive battle for our commander, Jesus Christ. And as soldiers, we need a helmet, a breastplate, a belt, a shield, and a sword, as well as footwear, shoes. What's so interesting about this armor is that it is the whole armor of God. It's God's armor. And this imagery comes right out of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 11, the Messiah, is portrayed as a great warrior. Isaiah 59 speaks of how the Lord put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. And it's so amazing that Jesus Christ has, com- has the complete victory or, and the complete power over the enemy. He gave up his life. He endured suffering for our sins and he paid the horrible cost for our sins through death. But this sacrifice has given us the victory. And you see this imagery of God, the warrior in his armor, this is the imagery that he has passed on to us. He, he he's conquered us as his servants, so he has given this armor to us. Since Jesus Christ has overcome the wicked one and can withst- we can withstand, and, and he can withstand his attacks, we're made strong in him when we put on his armor. That's the point. It's through his armor that we are properly suited for spiritual battle. Notice that this armor is both defensive as well as offensive. We need to gird our waist with the truth. This is one of the first things a soldier put on. It was a leather belt that had metal plates attached to it. It was for protection. We need this in our battle. We need the truth. Satan is a liar, and he's always out deceiving. He's the father of lies, and yet the message of salvation in Jesus Christ is the word of truth. It is the gospel. Since God speaks the truth, we need to embrace that truth. Our lives depend on it. But that also means that our lives are to be consistent with the truth, deceiving and lying against others is consistent with Satan. That's why we must be known as truthful people. It's so easy to bring about someone's reputation down through speaking that which is false. One false word against another brother can erase a good reputation. That's why we need the truth. Also, we need the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate for a Roman soldier was a, uh, a tough leather smock which uh, covered a good part of his torso, front and back. It was often reinforced with metal. And in the same way, we need the Lord's protection. We need the Lord's righteousness. This is not our own, but it's God's. He clothes himself in righteousness, according to the the metaphors that we read of in in the Old Testament, especially in Isaiah. That's what we, we need for ourselves. We need to be made righteous or declared righteous in the blood of Christ. 
It's through faith that we receive this free gift, knowing that our sins are washed away and that we're forgiven. It's a breastplate that's needed because um, Satan is going to try to convince us that God never forgives us. If we've committed a terrible sin, God's righteousness, though, is able to persuade us of His grace in our lives. His righteousness also calls us to righteous living. So we will be able to withstand the assault of the devil when we live righteously before the Lord. And we also need to have our feet bound with the gospel of peace. The Roman soldiers wore sandals that were attached to their feet and their ankles. It gave him good footing because a a man fighting for his life doesn't want to slip or fall. And in the same way, we need our feet bound with the gospel of peace. This is again from Isaiah chapter 52, where it says, How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of him who proclaims what? Who proclaims peace. That's the part of the good news of salvation. The peace of God in Jesus Christ. There's nothing that is able to destroy that peace that is there for the child of God. No matter how fierce the conflict or how difficult the battle. There's nothing that can separate us from this peace. And we also need the shield of faith with which we're able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. In the past, many years ago, battles were fought with fire through flaming arrows that were catapulted at the enemy. And as a soldier, you needed to have a shield. Satan's attacks are like this. His flaming arrows are are aimed at us. And yet we can counter these arrows by faith. It's his shield that can... can extinguish these fiery arrows if there are attacks. This can be overcome by faith in Christ. If there's a fear of the future, we can be assured that our Lord is a strength in a tower. If we take God at his word and accept his promises by faith, God will help us. We need faith in God. We can face these attacks through the power of Christ. And we need the helmet of salvation. We need to think in terms of our salvation when it comes to attacks. It is a defense of the head against false doctrines. For the helmet is for the head. In times of difficulty, affliction, and distress, it covers the head in the day of battle when engaged with Satan who is the enemy of our souls. And so this morning, the question is, do you have your armor on? Are you in combat mode in the war zone? May the Lord help us to advance against his enemy and plunder Satan's kingdom by proclaiming his word to those who are held captive in this world of darkness. And yet, not only are we to think in terms of our defense, we must also advance and fight against the dark forces. And that brings us to our third point, which is we're to advance 
with our weapons. We need the sword to fend off the attacks of the evil one, the sword of the Spirit. Jesus Christ used Scripture when it came to Satan's temptations. He's given us his word. This does not mean that quoting a Bible verse has some kind of supernatural ability to ward off Satan or to make him flee. We're to be well acquainted with Scripture so that we can be easily, not be easily led astray by the tempter. We should expect the fulfillment of God's word. We should be using it for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And when we're familiar with the word and busy in prayer, not only for ourselves, but for all Christians, and especially for ministers of Christ, we're made strong by him. His word is powerful. That word above all earthly powers, said Martin Luther, one little word shall fell Satan. That's the power of God's word. God's word is filled with examples of the aggressiveness of his saints. You think of David and his battles with Israel's enemies. God is also called Lord Sabaoth, the Lord of armies. He's the, the Lord of the hosts of God's heavenly beings who fight for him and who protect his saints. Thus, we belong to a mighty commander. But God has also given us a second weapon for advancing, and that is prayer. We need to pray always. For prayer is a secret weapon. It has no equal on earth. It's necessary for ourselves to keep ourselves watchful and to help us to persevere according to verse 18. But verses 19 and 20, which we read from as well, speak of how Satan, or how rather uh, Paul, needed to be able to move forward and advance the Lord's kingdom. Prayer looks pretty weak in front of others. If you pray at work and your fellow workers see you doing that, to them it looks really dumb. To a world, a church full of praying saints looks foolish as they're with their heads bowed and their eyes closed. Yet prayer is a powerful weapon. It's through prayer that we can be given God's power. And we need to pray for ourselves in our fight against Satan. If we don't pray, then we won't stand a chance. We won't have a hope. But if you pray for strength, the Lord will give you his armor and make you strong. How many of us pray when we're facing temptation? How many of us pray when we're going through times of discouragement? Prayer is the Christian strength. We need to pray for others as well. It's easy to be self-centered in prayer, but we need to pray for our spouses. We need to pray for our children. We need to ask that God would protect our children and ourselves from Satan's blows against our souls. 
We need to be praying for each other as a congregation that we would be able to stand firm. And we also need to be praying for the spread of the gospel. Do you pray for your missionaries and their families? Do you pray for the work of the elders and the deacons? Do you pray for the work of God's word here? Gospel preachers are not supermen left to ourselves. We're weak. We can't persuade men and women to believe and to bring that word. We need boldness. We need the Spirit's anointing. We're so helpless apart from prayer. And so do you pray? Do you pray often? Do you pray enough? Well, most likely we don't. We need to pray more. But there will be a day when Jesus Christ will return. He'll be arrayed for battle. Isaiah 11 says, He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. It's then that Satan will be cast into hell forever and tormented day and night. And yet, the Lord calls us his saints. We'll be able to enter into that kingdom. He will call us his soldiers who were faithful to him, though we were tempted, though we faced evil days and evil times. What a blessing it is to be a soldier of Christ. And may he receive the praise for strengthening and equipping us for the battle. Amen.